the biggest library find in the world is supposedly George Washington. He reportedly borrowed two books from the New York Library and has never returned them. And uh, these books, uh, by the way, if you're, in case you're interested, were an essay on international affairs and a collection of debates from the English House of Commons. Right? Interesting reading, right? Um, and the ledger from that time period that he, his name is on for checking out those books simply lists Washington as president. And that, I guess they just thought because of how awesome he was, there, there was no return date ever listed. Uh, and, and, uh, and so uh, his fine now stands at $300,000, they say. And it's only going to go higher, I guess, because he's pretty busy uh, these days. Um, what a, that's, that's a big debt for a little thing, isn't it? Uh, and then I, I, I read about the, um, the, the most expensive hospital bill um, that we've had up to this point. I'm sure in the future there will be higher ones. But up to this point, the most expensive hospital bill um, was billed to a woman named Tamika Campbell, um, she was in the hospital for five years, receiving off and on care as her body was breaking down, uh, and she passed away. Two years after she died, the hospital in Florida sent a $9 million bill to her estate. One thing they neglected to send was the itemizing of that bill, of what those things um, uh, what, what, what items uh, justified the cost of that bill. And so there's a bit of bitter court battle that I don't know if it's been resolved yet with uh, her mother refusing to pay out a single cent and um, the hospital being at fault. That's crazy. Nine million dollar bills, you know, showing up in your mail. But there's one even bigger than that. And there was a French phone company they sent a bill to a woman named Soline San Jose. She had left her job and she had cut back on certain things. And one of those things was she had dropped her cell phone, uh, trying to cut costs. And so she told her phone company to end her contract. And, you know, if you end your phone contract, you know, there's some, there's some consequences for that. Um, but she wasn't prepared for these consequences. The company issued her a bill for the number 13 with 15 zeros behind it in today's dollars, which I guess is about um, um, 13 million billion dollars. Um, so so they, they obviously made a mistake in that bill. That phone bill is larger than France's whole gross domestic product. And um, it's a good thing that um, uh, she didn't have a heart attack when she got that bill because she wouldn't have had a phone to make that call. But the bill was obviously a mistake. The company was set on charging her that amount of money. And when she called up the company to tell them that the entire country of France didn't literally, have, literally didn't have enough money to pay that bill, the phone operator told her not to worry because she could pay in installments. True story. True story. After 40 minutes of being on the phone with one of the customer service agents, they finally squashed the bill, and so she's free. 
And we can kind of shake our heads at some of these you know, ridiculous bills and these stubborn billers demanding payment. What if you went to your mailbox tomorrow and you opened up a bill and the return address was from the God of heaven and he was requesting to you your full payment of sin and the amount of exactly what your sin has cost itemized over your lifetime, what would you do? And he has, you know. He has. He has told us we're all guilty. We all have to pay. But I want to direct your attention to Micah chapter 6 and illustrate with you God's heart for sin and picture it as a bill, a debt, a payment. In Micah chapter 6, we looked at last week, verses 1 through 8, with that key verse and most famous verse, chapter 6, verse 8, right? Um, and uh, we saw the, the inadequacy of the people there. They said, is this what you want? And they think they're going above and beyond. And God says, no, in verse 8, this is what I've already revealed to you. This is what I require of you. To do justice, to love mercy, loving kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And so we looked at what he wants simply is a a changed heart and and life that proceeds out of that heart. That's what he desires. That's what they weren't giving. And so he's revealed, he required of Israel in verse 8. I want to share with you just a little video here that maybe illustrates a little bit of, of what the first two points um, uh, to do justly and to love kindness, um, God might have been talking about here. Um, watch this.
insurance, right? I mean, it's just a, but it's a little, it illustrates a couple of those points there of, of, of that, um, that life that God was calling the Israelites to, um, to be and to do among their neighbors and among their people. And then we come to Micah 6 and verse 9. So now we come to a contrast. All right. So that, that was just a little illustration, perhaps maybe shedding a little light on some of the ideals there in chapter 6 verse 8 of course that was all to be done out of a humble walk with God now chapter 6 verse 9 he says basically um, that God's voice is crying to the city and it's wise for you to fear the name of that voice so listen Listen closely about his appointed rod from him. And so he is going to tell them, can I just forget and sweep under the rug the wicked and their wickedness? He's going to tell them in the following verses, verse 10 and 11 and 12, that the treasures that are sitting in your house, they're from ill-gotten gain. Sure, you have beautiful things in your house. But you know where they came from? They came from stomping and trampling the poor, taking advantage of people, cheating people. He says, he's going to say, you're shorting people in your measures. He's going to tell them they're violent. They are liars in courts. And what what we need to understand from this, uh, this passage here is that God says that the bill for sin is always presented. The bill for sin is always presented. God never delivers a bill late. We'll see here in chapter 6 and verse 9, he says, The Lord's voice cries unto the city, and the man, a wise man, is going to listen. A man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod. And who hath appointed it? That rod is a, is a picture of, of punishment here. So the first thing we see, that when God presents His bill, there is that he, he will speak through His rod. He speaks through His rod. So His rod resounds. His rod resounds. He will speak through His rod. That is how He's going to speak to the people of Israel at this time in Micah chapter 6, verse 9. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Do you understand that there is punishment that is appointed for sin? It is appointed. It is planned by God for sin. And God says, listen to the rod to these people. Then in verses 10 through 12, are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measure that is abominable, he says, you're, 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 being, uh, you're, you're, you're not being truthful with the measurements that you're measuring your, your goods with and giving them to people. Shall I count them pure, the wicked balances, and the bag of deceitful weights? He tells 
than that they've forgotten Him and His goodness, but He had not forgotten their sins they were treasuring. He will not be an accomplice to their sin. He will not idly stand by. They were cheating people. They were not acting justly. They were being dishonest in their business practice by shorting people. And if you look with me in in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2, and this is all, I jotted down a multitude of cross-references to this. Go, go with me. Go with me to Proverbs eleven, please. Proverbs eleven, verse one. God says, "A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight." The verse I was trying to find in Proverbs was, I, I think I wrote down the wrong reference, but it says that the, 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 the voice of the one who is poor, who is oppressed, it cries to the Lord and the Lord hears it. And this is an answer to that in Micah chapter 6. God is turning his ear to the oppressed and God will deal with the wicked. There were sellers using dishonest scales, false weights, to give less merchandise than the buyers thought they were getting. God says he hates that. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16, he prohibited it in his law. The people were not acting justly. They were not loving mercy. There was violence by by the wealthy. In chapter 6 and verse 12, the rich men thereof are full of violence. There was lying by almost everyone. It was common and probably it's referring to false witness in the courts of law. When the people went to tell the, the, the government system, hey, I've been cheated. The very place where the unjustly treated that they should find protection and justice served the courtroom was where they were experiencing more injustice. Deceit and false witness from the ruling class. And God is specifically naming the sin. Because the bill for sin is always presented and God's bookkeeper always delivers. He will bring exact, exactly uh, what your debt was and your sin. He presents the bill to the people of Israel. But I want you to notice in chapter 6 and verse 13. Now, he's going to require, he's going to require that bill to be paid. And verse 13 says, Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, and making thee desolate because of thy sins. I will bring you to ruin. Here's what he says, verse 14. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied. Thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but shall not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the source. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And sweet wine, but shall not drink wine. He says, can I forget and sweep under the rug the, the wicked? No, I will deal justly with your sin. And so the second point is, is that your bill for sin is always paid. The bill for sin is always paid. He says, you, your work will not produce life, but it will produce death and emptiness. 
Sure, you're going to continue on in these things. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not going to let you get away with it, though. He says you're going to have food, but you're going to starve. He says you're going to, you're going to save, but you're not going to store up anything. It'll be like you have a hole in your pocket. He says you're going to have seeds to plant, and you will plant them, but you will have no harvest. He says you're going to have olives to press, but you won't have the oil. He says you'll have plenty of grace, but no wine. And then that verse there in Micah 6 and verse, um, and verse 14, And thou shalt take hold, but shall not deliver, is the idea of bearing children. He says your children, um, uh, will, you will have miscarriages, your children will be stillborn. Because of these sins in verses 10 through 12, God's punishment would bring them to ruin. Their food wouldn't satisfy them. Their storing and harvesting would be taken by their enemies. Their planting would bring no harvest to them. They'd be taken into captivity. They would not be allowed to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Labor, And as God had stated, these punishments resulted from the people's refusal to worship Him. In other words, sin gets its absolute just deserts. And this wasn't anything that was, would come as a surprise to Israel. Go with me to the curses that God um, said would happen to Israel if they turned from Him. Deuteronomy chapter 28, please. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And look in verse 30. Now in chapter 28, it pronounces the blessings of the covenant. They walked in his ways, hearkened unto the voice of the Lord in verse 2. These blessings will come on you, he says, and overtake you. If they did not, verse 15, it shall come to pass that thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Remember chapter 6, verse 1, here's the voice of the Lord your God. Which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods and serve them. He says, if you, if you don't observe all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he lists a bunch of them. But go down to chapter 28 and verse 30. This is the idea of unfulfillment. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and thou shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thy donkey shall be violently taken away from before thy face, and shall not be restored to thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thy enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. Sons and daughters shall be given unto another people. Thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed away. You get the sense of what Mike is drawing from, from Deuteronomy. God was going to send Assyria and Babylon. He was going to hand over his sword of justice to them. And they were going to be the appointed means and he will let them wield that sword till he says enough. 
back in Micah chapter 6 with all these things that they, he said they would, uh, they would have but not be able to enjoy eating but not be satisfied. Uh, treading grapes but not being able to enjoy the wine. Uh, treading the olives but not being able to enjoy that olive oil. They'd be like hamsters. When I was a kid we had a hamster named Fluffy. And Fluffy was given to us and we would, um, in her cage, uh, we'd let her out of her cage sometimes. And one time she got away and we couldn't find her. And she crawled up to the second floor here going up the steps. I don't even know how she did it. My dad woke up looking at her her little beady eyes staring at him on his nightstand at night. But we would take Fluffy out sometimes. We'd put her in one of those balls. You know, the hamsters kind of can crawl around and moves all around the house. It's funny to watch. Then we put her in her cage. Of course, you had that wheel. But they love to go on. Tread that wheel and go nowhere. Um, and it's kind of a picture of what God was going to say was happening to, to Israel. You're going you're gonna to tread. You're going you're gonna to put so much into it. You're going to receive emptiness. And this has already happened to Israel. You think about Israel when they tried to worship the golden calf. This is gonna. This is gonna be exactly what we want. This is gonna be what fulfills us. And look what happens. People are killed because of God's judgment. They grind that golden calf in the dust, put in the water, and make the people drink it. Here, you want so much. Think about when they complained about the manna, and God gave them quail. We want meat. God gives them quail. So much quail and so easy to get that they just could eat as much as they wanted. He gave them what they wanted, and then they were sick of it. Said, "Ah, we don't want to see another quail, right?" He gave them what they wanted, but he sent starvation to their souls. In fact, he says that. Go with me to Psalm 106, where the psalmist recounts Israel's story and Israel's unfaithfulness. In Psalm 106. And verse 15, 14 says that they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And verse 15 of Psalm 106 says, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness, starvation, unto their souls. You know, God can judge you by giving you what you think you want. He gave them what they wanted by sent starvation to their souls. Sometimes you think God judges, you know, by making us have a car accident or this or that. No, He can just let our desires, wrong desires, just play out, can't He? Turn us over to our own devices. And in Micah chapter 6, what He's saying is, Your sin has sacrificed on the altar of the temporary, the eternal. The things you should have been seeking, you've sacrificed to gain something that's not lasting. People do this all the time with pornography, don't they? People do this with imagining an affair, don't they? A relationship with that person is going to be better than 
who I'm with. I've seen this over and over, and you probably have too, where a young lady or a young man meets an unbelieving young man or an unbelieving young lady and is captivated by his personality, his kindness, or is captured by her beauty and make an unholy allegiance with them in marriage, thinking that will satisfy them. And they're married and they have kids. Their kids want nothing to do with Jesus. God's grace can work in all these situations. We understand it through repentance. But so much of it doesn't have to happen. It can happen uh, with cheating. We can, we can lie in our taxes or we can lie in business deals and, and we can cheat someone else out of something thinking, okay, this is important enough to lie about it. Think, think that it's something that, we, that would really uh, make us happier than, than being honest. And, and it can show up in a starvation in our souls, a hunger for that wasn't satisfied. That's why people get involved in substance abuse, right? Alcohol and drugs, legal and illegal. They get that high, they get that feeling, they they feel that relaxing feeling to get rid of the stress of their lives. And then they're worse off than before. It can happen in the corporate world, can't it? Men whose goal is to just keep advancing up the corporate ladder, to get the next level of income, to support a certain lifestyle, thinking that that is how they're going to please their family, and they sacrifice their kids and their wife, or their husbands and their families and that. It can happen with our words, too. Hit home a little bit more. Whenever we're tempted in sin, we are tempted by Satan to do something for the temporal instead of the eternal. And so a quick reaction of words to something that happens is you biting on that temptation. That's why Proverbs says so much about our words, right? The end result of those words. Hurtful things that we say. A slander that we spread. They think we're going to find satisfaction in all these different things, whatever it might be. But sin comes with a price. And the bill for sin is always paid. It's always paid. You look here. His collectors come. They come knocking at the door. His collectors come. He says, you will eat but not be satisfied. They're going to come searching for the payment of that debt. And you will have nothing to pay it with. You'll be empty. This picture here of having a full plate but not being able to eat it will happen when Israel is taken captive by Babylon and the fruits of their labors are then just wiped out. They're taken captive. 
And it's like God is using Babylon as repossessors, repossessing what should have been given to him for his glory. And then if you look in verse 16, verse 16. He says, for the statutes of Omri are kept and all the works of the house of Ahab and you walk in their counsels. Now, that might not make sense to you. You might have to know a little bit about the Old Testament history here. But Omri is called one of the most wicked kings. Omri. And his son Ahab, two of the worst kings. It was in their rule that Baal worship really flourished. It was in Ahab's reign that the true prophets of the Lord were murdered by his wife Jezebel. And God says to Judah, you have followed the traditions of your northern neighbors here. The northern kingdom. Omri and Ahab. It's the idea here that their slavery to evil is going to topple their kingdom. This emptiness, this trying to to satisfy themselves in these things is eventually going to cut out their legs underneath of them. He says, you are are guarding the commands of darkness. The statutes of Omri are kept. And Deuteronomy says that you are supposed to guard my words because they bring light. And you're over here guarding and, and, and securing the words of darkness. He says, you are practicing the activities of evil. You are are keeping the works of the house of Ahab. You're following those sinful traditions. And he says, you are seeking evil counsel, evil advice. You walk in their counsels. That is how you are operating your lives through darkness, the dark realm. And I have given you life and light in me. I'm the fountain of life. In my light you will see light, the psalmist says. But that's where they were finding their hope in Omri. And so the third and final point is the bill for sin is always perilous. It is perilous. Look at what he says, the rest of verse 16. That I should make thee a desolation. That's a word that means absolute ruin. And the inhabitants thereof in hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. All the unethical practices, the murder, the swindling, the violence, the false witness of Baal worship, the fornication that was so uh, uh, appropriate to, to the people of, 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 of the northern kingdom of Israel under Omri and Ahab was now part of Judah. And there was the price that would be paid. I will make thee a desolation. Your inhabitants will be a hissing. In other words, people walk by and they'll be like, looking at them in scorn. You shall bear the reproach of my people. They'll be mocked. That's what it ends up being. You see the progression here? God's going to send punishers and they are going to pummel the people. Absolute desolation. He is going to see the consequences of sin crush these people. Crush these people. God's bill came in their mailbox. It's time to pay up. Listen, I don't know what 
The Spirit of God is working on your heart that needs to be surrendered. I don't know what sins you have been treasuring. I know what ones I have been. But I do know that because God loves us, He's not going to let us be happy in that. And the call in this passage for Israel is to repent, to turn back to Him, to give that up, to let go. You can't cling to God and this, to give that up and to seek His face, to walk humbly with their God. That's what was lacking. I want to tell you by way of application. Jesus Christ became the one on whom the sword of justice fell. Jesus Christ became the ruined and desolate one on the cross. And he did this to break the power like we talked about this morning. The chains fell off. The dungeon flamed with light. I rose up and followed thee. Charles Wesley writes. Your sin may have not been exactly like the Israelites. It may have. But ultimately... In this sense, all sin is the same in that it alienates us from God. Jesus became our alienation from God at the cross when His Father poured out His wrath on His Son. And Jesus says, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And it is through Jesus and repentance and faith in Him that He breaks the power of canceled sin. That he opens up a way to reconciliation, restoring life with his Father. And the answer for what you are wrestling with is Jesus. Because he is the living water. I told you that in Israel, when uh, Moses came on the scene of, that, of, the, of them worshiping the calf there around, around Mount Sinai, and, uh, and God had Moses grind up that calf into powder, and he made the people drink it. That did satisfy them drinking that disgusting, mineral-laden water. He's saying, okay, this is where you're finding, this is where you're finding your, 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 your drink, your, your fulfillment in here. How's it taste? But Jesus is a living water. And when his bill came into your mailbox, through your faith and repentance of him, Jesus opened that mailbox and he said, paid in full. And that's where our hope lies. And folks, if you've been redeemed and you have, and that debt has been paid, Jesus says, now act like it. Live in new life. He puts within us His very own Spirit. These people had the heart of flesh, right? They needed that new heart that Ezekiel promised would come. All is the same to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant people. 
Turn to me. Find your life in me. Repent. Find hope in Messiah.